The Effenrad Snowboard Podcast is presented by Vans. Season 8 of Effenrad is sponsored by Wired Snowboards and On Optics, The Boardroom Snowboard Shop, FindAnEpicAgent.com, and Tribute Board Shop in Nelson, B.C. Anon Optics makes goggles for all kinds of faces in all kinds of styles and colors. I've ridden several Anon goggle models and I got myself an amazing fitting Anon helmet at the Holy Bowley event last spring. My favorite Anon feature is the simplicity of the quick change magnetic lens system because I ride in a lot of changing light conditions and the ability to change lenses on the fly guarantees that I'm always riding with the best possible visibility. Magnetic face mask integration provides seamless face mask attachment and full perimeter vents maintain consistent airflow for fog-free clarity. Find Anon at your local snowboard show. Also, do me a favor and subscribe to our YouTube channel, like, follow, and share Rad, so we can build our following and make more great content. Hit pause right now, tell someone who should know about the show. Thanks. Support also comes from DeKine, Grouse Mountain, Mount Seymour, Pro Standard GoPro Accessories, and Volcom Outerwear. Before I start the Jeremy Jones episode, I want to give a special thank you to Jones Snowboards, Protect Our Winters, Teton Gravity Research, and Yeti. Please check out these amazing companies doing effing rad things. Jeremy Jones is one of the most recognized names in snowboarding. His namesake company, Jones Snowboards, is turning 13 this season. Jeremy's dedication to backcountry snowboarding has given us the Higher, Deeper, Further series of films, which you can buy at tetongravity.com, by the way, along with The Life of Glide and countless other snowboarding gems over his three-decade pro career. He's an active founder of the Protect Our Winters organization that helps passionate outdoor people protect the places and lifestyles they love from climate change and he's a family man my buddy General brad spotted jeremy while we were riding at mount hood this summer jeremy invited us to take a lap with him which was a true bucket list item for me and then i invited him to join me for a quick chat at the timberline lodge for effing rad here's that interview with jeremy jones i first started coming here when i was 16 and through camp and kind of hike up to avoid tickets and um, <laughs> and just full dirt bag. I think it was uh, I had thirty one dollars when I came here. Oh and, my god! Uh, you know, which back then went a lot further. Yeah. But um, it's all peanut butter jellies and quesadillas. But to come back here uh, with my kids, super into snowboarding, and then when I started Jones. Um, I started coming back to Hood, and I was like, man, this place is so fun. And there's probably a 20-year gap between those two things. Leaves a real impression, though, hey? Like, yeah. Like, uh, when I came back here after, yeah, I think I came in 91, back in 95. And then by, at, in 95, we came down two years in a row, and then a big, long break. And when I came yeah. back, I was like, oh, my God, the lake is here. The mountain is here. The snow is here. The lodge is here, and like the forest. I mean, yeah. the forest is incredible. Oh. The vibe. Yeah. I mean, I'm. Yeah. It's. Uh, yeah. So great. Really happy to have it back in my life again on a consistent basis. Yeah, and you're coming up with the family in the yeah, summers. Yeah, now it's a yearly trip, and um, and it's something that i really look forward to board testing anything like that you do anything? yeah it's always um it's an opportunity kind of a last last go on um testing products and if you yeah so that's been there's always stuff in the works we're always working on stuff so it it it, come, it falls at a good time from a design cycle yeah yeah and they've always been really um snowboard friendly here there's a lot of good terrain and even those turns you were doing down from the top of palmer like you get going fast oh i mean it's um i think it's 2400 vertical feet and uh it's i mean it's just really good riding uh for any 
anywhere, any time of year. It's not like it's good summer riding. It's really right. good snowboarding. Yeah, yeah, that's true, isn't it? That's epic. And this year they've really stepped up the public park. We could talk a little bit about the fact that the camps have had a a, a monopoly on you know the epic terrain that they build for for camp for 30 years and it, i don't know when they opened it to the public that you can pay to ride so it's it's switched now the 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 camps rent the time from the mountain the mountain controls the entire yeah. build which i mean i i think it's better it only took me a second to be like wait i don't have to pay to go to camp yeah, and it's funny the camps have changed. My um, and yeah, if you just do the math on it, it was it's still expensive. Lift tickets are expensive to get into the park, but compare you compare that to a camp, and it's um, it's a lot cheaper. Yeah, you can bring your vehicle, and yeah. I mean, obviously, you have camping gear for the family. Yeah. <laughs> So um, the last time we talked, I didn't put that episode out. Actually, it had some glitches in the audio, and okay. and also we were, I mean, I called you kind of in a panic. I was like, dude, there's this like heat bubble, and the world's on fire. Oh, you're talking, and, yeah, yeah. And that we, way, yeah. We did it over the phone, and right. I was, I like even in listening to it, I could hear how frustrated you were in that moment. Right. And I mean, here we are up in on the snow. Yeah. And obviously you're a little bit more relaxed. <laughs> it's good right? medicine up here. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's just epic. And if more people um, are exposed to this kind of outdoor stuff. Yeah. I mean, as a country, the United States was doing this so long ago. Yeah. F- FDR opened this thing, man. Yeah, I mean, this is a historic building we're next to at yeah. a really exciting time in the country where they, they prioritize... Um, getting people outdoors and and i'd say we've heard we've had this big increase from covid uh which you know at times can be frustrating but it's in these towns it's become such a big economic driver and we just got to accept um people are coming they want to get in our national forest let's not give them tickets when they're parked on the side of the road let's like open up infrastructure so they can get out there let's put we're seeing more money being allocated for trails and the benefits of like good trails on a community and so uh it's like at protect our winters we call it the outdoor state is um and we're learning you know that's a powerful uh community the you know the people that are coming to these towns to embrace this clean air clean water and and all the things that are around it it was not what i expected to have happen from covid yeah i mean in covid at the beginning it sounded like we're going to be locked in our houses afraid of each other pitchforks and and torches and and masks and just you know panic and then next thing you know they let the the lifts run where we were and lift lines were longer than they've ever been. But it's a double-edged sword. It's like, well, you know, when uh, it's great to be up there when there's nobody there. Right. But then you can see a few weeks of nobody being there a year, and they shorten the season. Then right. they shorten the season the next year, right? Like, uh, we watched it happen. And now they're lengthening seasons again. Past prices are going up. It's like, right. it's a healthy economy, which, like you say, leads to... a. a like longevity of the of the place i want those places to be operating when i'm you know a grandfather or great grandfather whatever i want to bring my kids there but in order for that to happen they need to have the revenue to do it plus obviously like protect our winners is, is pointing out you you need the snow well you definitely need the snow and <laughs> um but yeah that covid it was really cool because uh, I remember there was like a public safety announcement from the governor of California that said, get outside. It's good for you. Oh, nice. um, we're going to keep resorts open. It's important for your mind and body and spirit. And uh, and to quantify and say how important, which we know, like yeah. I'm sure you go long, you know, there's certain <laughs> times in your life where you can't get outdoors and then you get outdoors and you're like, Oh my God, it's like, you know, a bong hit of life. And, um, to have that is, uh, it's, we've known it's powerful stuff. And now like the medical community is 
is telling us it's powerful. Yeah, stuff. we're hearing a lot more of that now. It's great. Yeah, and there was, you know, seas of planes flying over everywhere. There just was a general like, uh, the earth took a breath. Yeah, you know? which nice is breath. which was which was dope. So uh, you're still snowboarding quite a bit, obviously, if you're getting a few few weeks of or a couple weeks of riding here in the summer and how did the season yeah. go in tahoe this year Went right yeah i mean end, it right? started in um got on snow in october with this like <laughs> five feet of snow and <laughs> oh, four days uh, or no for like 48 hours uh then we went heat wave back to like riding our bikes again uh, and now they're like a monster 17 feet in December and then seven weeks with no snow. Yeah. Uh, so it was, uh, and then we had a great, uh, kind of mid April through May was really good. So Solid. it felt like three winters <laughs> and yeah, definitely getting on snow as much as I've ever been, um, for sure in the. I don't, you know, well over a hundred days a year, and uh, that's pretty good for a company owner because there's yeah. just a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts. Well, I jokingly say our product is really well tested, and my <laughs> wife is would roll her eyes if she was here. <laughs> Always testing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tough totally. job. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> Love it so much. So, what was the first training camp you did up here? Did you you came as a dirt ball in ninety? It was um, 90, it would have been like 91, 92, so similar when you were here. Yeah. Like I said, I was, you were, said you rode the lift with Mike Jacoby. Um, I'm sure I was with, I was on the mountain that day with Jacoby because I used to, I had the opportunity at a young age to to train with him through uh, Cross M. So spent a month up here and uh, it was really funny. There was a campground on the way to Mount Hood and we would... Um, we slept on just over the fence of the campground because we couldn't pay for the campground, but we'd use the bathroom. <laughs> and Mark Fawcett lived down in Hood River. He'd drop us off on the way down, and he'd pick us up in the morning. And, no way. Um, and that was just kind of it was my cousin and I, Adam Hostetter, and we were drafting off the Cross M team and, and around some of the best riders in the world. And and it was a uh, it was. You know, that time was, um, it was hard to, uh, like, really fun, but just the getting up super early, um, struggling with lift tickets, having to hike the lower mountain uh, to get up at times, and, but, you know, it was, so it's kind of cool to come back, and it's like I'm getting on the mountain from 9 to 3, not 7 to 11 or whatever it was, just and it's kind of re you know change my memories of the place because those were hard times um in a not in a just kind of fifth class dirt backing dirt bagging um and we had a ball and and um but yeah it's just a different vibe up here riding soft slushy corn opposed to that early morning bullet bulletproof um kind of like sandpaper yeah. ice. yeah in like six day old wet boots right. that you just can't get dry because <laughs> they're you're living in a rainforest yeah right and totally. sometimes it's raining down below and then you get up above the clouds yeah and here you are in the bright sun it's like rad but you're like everything is wet totally and nothing back then was gore-tex so <laughs> it's all For just sure. disgusting wet stuff um, that Cross Am team, I, I remember the logo being so much, like, because I wasn't a racer. Yeah. I was like, I wish that logo was for something freestyle. Such a cool logo. It was a great logo, right? Yeah. What happened with that team? That was Jerry Masterpool. He puts it together. Yeah. Is he essentially the first North American racing coach? So, interesting enough, I think he is the first ever official co- snowboard coach, and so I was like 89, 90-ish. Um, I saw, I went to the U.S. Open. So what, it wasn't my first Open. So it was probably 90. My first Open was 89. Oh, and, wow. um, and I'm there and I'm seeing that rad logo. It's a cross with an M underneath it. Pretty like punk rocky. And, um, and he was the coach for the Burton A team. And... 
it ended up that only lasted a year, and he was coaching half pipe and race. He'd never oh, been wow. on a snowboard, but he was bringing um, structure to it. And, yeah. yeah. And then with his, he understood the art of the turn, and um, and then he broke away from that. And Mark Fawcett ended up training with him, and then I got to run some gates with him. He gave me some pointers that. Like at that point, I just got on my race board and was like, let it rip. And he's like, you know, you got to be patient, strong initiation, all this stuff that I hadn't thought. And, it, and like immediately it was clicking. And I'm like, oh my God, that wow. never thought of that. Makes total sense. And a year later, I started, um, like, I came out to Hood, trained with him for a couple of weeks. And then by, I think, um, 17. I was on the pro tour and traveling with the cross M team. Yeah. Which Jacoby was on it. Jason Ford was on oh, it. Oh, sick. Tara Eberhard, who ended up um, marrying Jerry. She was like this phenomenal uh, female racer. And so it was some of the best riders in the world. And to be around them uh, on the daily was really helpful to say the least yeah i think i said it in our other interview i remember jerry rubbing people's legs yeah. it would be in like movies totally. when they would still throw like racing in the movies yeah see jerry at the top giving rubbing the leg, rubbing. yeah rubbing our legs and yeah. our speed suits getting us warmed <laughs> up and he brought a ton of discipline uh to my world which was important because i i mean i was um off on the pro tour at 16 and um and very you know zero parent supervision and so kind of through 16 to 23 it was dictated around that and um and that was kind of my my college you were still competing half pipe too right you had some pretty good yeah so i competed half pipe um when i first started competing it was all about rate um the overall titles like craig kelly was the overall champ and so he'd race and he'd do half pipe and now everyone wanted to do that uh and so i was i could get top three in it i mean we're talking regional new england cup days uh in a half pipe comp nice but consistently won races did my first pro comp at 16 at snow summit got third in the race made 900 bucks paid 150 bucks to do the half pipe got like 40th and i'm like that's not a good return on the investment and like i gotta i can't afford to do that and and it was um i was clearly a a better definitively better racer a more advanced race yeah right because people got obsessed with half pipe and like we were talking about on the chair the exponential growth from year to year to year like being world champion in 85 Right, like a Terry Kidwell era world champion, you know, an '87, just two years later, yeah, is a completely different thing. Yeah, and like Todd Richards, I remember um, he was one of the first guys that was like, "I'm just doing half pipe." Yeah, uh, and then it became, you know, and then he went out west, started doing well, and he was kind of the first New England Cup dirtbag that. Um, like really made he went out west and like to these pro comps and started winning and we're like oh my god richards is going off and then that really opened everyone's eyes so anyone that was like mostly because you'd get these riders that were like really good racers and could hang in a half pipe and then you get half pipe riders that could hang on a race course and the half pipe riders like i'm done with racing yeah that it would have happened from the other side too right the racers would have been like I've got no. Well, you just said it. So yeah. you're the other side of it. I was the other side. Which is crazy the whole way through your free riding, too, right? I remember yeah. you were taking Alaska trips with your brothers. Yeah, that always started on. at 19. Um, and free riding is from the day one on a snowboard, like riding in Vermont, was like we always looking for the misty uh, little tree, gladed tree zones, and it was all about powder, top to bottom snowboarding, good turns, side hits, da 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 da. This was pre uh, terrain parks, and then it, so that's always, I mean, I think that's what really drew me into snowboarding was that just top to bottom riding, and then it was racing was really a, a kind of a, a, a key to 
getting able to make some money and see the world. But as I got to see the world, it was like, oh my God, now I'm in Val d'Isere. And I remember waking up there in the morning and like, are you kidding me? And then trying to focus on racing and looking at pow right off the side of the run and like, yeah, let's get this race done so we can get our free ride kit together. Yeah. Yeah. Notoriously, there's some people that just, they were all about the contest, didn't care. And then, you know, anyone that didn't care, you kind of like wrote them off as a snowboarder. You're like, dude, seriously, come on, Jimmy Scott, like go free ride, right? right? Like, yeah, whether it's half pipe or yeah. um, that. And I, yeah, I remember Jerry Masterpool, he would get so mad at us because be like, okay, we've been grinding hard. You guys get three days off. And we're like, sweet, we're driving through the night. It snowed in the Tetons. We're like pulling into Jackson Tram for for three days of riding and then driving back through the night and showing back up just so smoked from <laughs> it's like that is not what you're supposed to do on I these days, days off, off yeah. where you just <laughs> aren't doing any snowboarding how crazy is that That's so amazing. at that time where i say i'm definitely not riding more than ever because at that time i was i was doing like 230 240 days a year that just doesn't even make sense to me it was just zero days off because yeah. as soon as i was if it was a had a break from racing it was straight to free riding it was drive through the night it was just yeah like, go 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 blaze and, was talking yesterday about you know he's an open to close rider that's just the yeah. way he is there's no that. lunch there's no lunch right like you don't you don't even bring a lunch yeah he's he's coaching adults right with high cascade and and he was talking last night and i could i could just see it it's because if you are a snowboarder and you've you bit the bullet you bought the hundred dollar yeah. lift ticket right you go in for lunch it takes you two hours yeah and then you come yeah, out and you're so, spent <laughs> you're totally done it's so funny i have a sans bar in my bag <laughs> i no lunch for me either and i mean blades is a great example of you don't get to be that good by just rolling around only on the sunny perfect day only riding for a couple hours it's like you know you need your ten thousand hours just yeah. to like get in the door yes um and so it's like sammy carlson the skier he's a good friend of mine and he's out here all day just like honing tricks even though he's now like a all-mountain skier and he makes a point to come in and like put his time in here and um and so you see that that commitment and and the only way you can have that amount of commitment is if you have this deep love and also a ton of creativity because how can you you know it's like going out bulletproof ice cold it's like kids huge opportunity this is the best ice we've had in tahoe in like five years like we gotta go like we gotta get out there wow yeah that's nuts yeah i've i've i i can do all conditions except when it freezing rains on right. top of powder so like if you've got a breakable crust that will just yep. destroy you it's uh, that's a write-off there's i don't i don't have yeah, a tool call that that's like, a very unique condition yeah yeah <laughs> i mean only once since 1999 i think for right. me have i gone up and thought oh this looks pretty good and then just you're right you, dent and, crust and, yep and then you're just back home and right. then wait for the reset you know in, in vancouver it could be the next day it could be by that night yeah come back up at night it's rained everything's mushed out yeah it's it's just it's an obsession is what it is right like so, a healthy obsession I yeah th- mostly yeah, I yeah. Think. well i tried to say <laughs> to blaze last night it's like an addiction he's because ah that's got a negative connotation right even obsession does too it's but it's something you think about when you're not there like, oh, yeah. oh and on the way up like Oh, I'm going to do this 360 today that I haven't done, right. you know, like, oh, I'm going to grab my tail. It's going to be so good. You just like on the way up, you're thinking about it or on the way down. You're like, geez, I should have gone one more time. Should have hiked it, you know? Yeah. It's and as a as a shop rider, like someone who worked in a shop, rode for a shop a little bit. Um, I went through like eight generations of hungry kids because hungry kids come, they go night riding with you five days a week or whatever and then they're like i gotta go to college or whatever right right? like then they they split and do something else but for me it's just been constant the whole way through like so you got to change the crew it's like all right well we have to tell me about it It, you know went from i laugh because 
there's these different phases of snowboarding. You got the like the Grom, um, and then you're kind of like the young, like up and comer, like maybe on the on, coming onto the scene with new energy. Yep. Um, that's a couple years, and then you get to be like, if you're lucky, like just a I'm just a pro. I'm like between. 22 and 28 and then by 28 you're kind of like well you're now you're like older pro we'll see how they do then you're veteran um and veteran phase is pretty long and then now i'm uh like into this new phase which is I don't like kind of like legend yeah. Yeah. icon yeah. whatever but if you can get to that phase that can be a really long phase. Oh, well, that could, um, yeah, the rest and, of your life. Yeah. And, or mentor, you know, I mean, it, you don't have to be a pro to be in that phase. Well, look um, at, you, and, you have a lot of options. If you're looking at surfing, like Rabbit Kakai right. was surfing Honolulu, like Waikiki Beach into his 90s, I believe. Yeah. And he wasn't teaching anyone. He just was existing. Right. He, he was just, the fact that he was there was good for surfing, surfers, humanity yeah nature for everything you'd see him out there surfing way out and you'd be like who's that wicked old guy over there that's rips They're like that's like yeah the most legendary surfer one of the most legendary surfers to do it and yeah there's space in that for uh well i was talking about it with blaze too you know it's kind of up to you right yeah in the beginning when you've got sponsors kind of telling you what to do and like hey we're making the money and the, right. this is where we need you to go and then it falls off the responsibility falls on you and a lot of pros what they do right then is quit they go oh, fuck these guys and then they and then a bit of a depression and screw snowboarding and then my favorite is the end of that where they come back totally and then they're on snow again and they're and on their own terms and, and then it gets like terms. super pure yes again and yes and they still rip that's the thing is that no I've, I've never ridden with someone that i didn't see what it was that that made them pro definitely not yeah, i've seen Bla i saw blaze out here last year just yeah ripping and yeah he know. showed me footage of a switch seven a yeah. cab seven on the big jump there yeah like <laughs> from two days ago He's 47. Yeah. Yeah, it's epic. It's epic. But yeah, that's that's been my favorite thing because for me, the show was uh, my imagination in the beginning. And then all of a sudden, it, it did start snowballing where I had these opportunities to speak with people that I've looked up to for 30 years, you know? Yeah, that's really cool to, be yeah. able to have a conversation with all those people. And for me there's nothing better than seeing them snowboard, you know, taking a few, yeah. if you're taking a few turns with you today right. and, and trying to follow your turns on a freestyle board <laughs> and then just going, all right, well, that ain't happening. He still <laughs> got it. That's sick. Um, that's, that's, that is definitely one of the most fun things. The other thing is just the love of snowboarding meeting. Kids I mean, that's the root of it, yeah. right? Yeah. Is, um, Chad Otterstrom. Yeah. Chad. Yeah. I love Chad. I mean, you, and you, you see it in his eyes uh, yeah. and you, you know it, and then I think that a super tricky thing is just health, because the reality is, um, it you're riding really hard for a long time, your body gets beaten down, and then it snowboarding is painful, and yeah. that's the trick. If you can somehow make it where snowboarding is not painful because that's usually what ends a career is pain yes um and then but you got to stay pretty disciplined to to be able to do it and be creative to um be able to kind of get to a point where you can go snowboard and not be in pain yeah there's one genre of pro snowboarder that's almost the most difficult to be which is like a street uh, you know, because those things that you're doing are yeah. so consequential. And when you move back to just free riding, it's for some of those people, I've seen uh, the challenge of like being a street hero and people seeing you in the park and go like, oh, hey, why don't you front board this? Whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? And they're like, well, I just, it's embarrassing for me to be up here. I, I'm not on my game right now. And I don't want to 
conk my head or whatever. Right. And I'm going, for some people, it's like, look, just just you being out there enjoying it is is enough. Like, you don't yeah. have to risk your life. I remember Peter Line saying that he wouldn't come to a contest in Vancouver just because the prize money was ten grand, Because he's like, any kook can beat me. Right. Like, it's a contest. It's a big air contest. Some kid out of nowhere pulls off yeah, some fluky trick and because he's like because that's what i'm doing right. i just put my best foot forward i try my hardest trick and if i land it i win right but it's not guaranteed i'm gonna win right so yeah like i, I think the hardest pro to be is someone that really shot to the top and was known for being at that super edge of the freestyle progression because that next generation, they they had you as an example. They didn't have to use their imagination. Right. Yeah, it's... To get to that I mean, level. what I'm, like, so grateful for with my snowboarding now is um, the, the ingredients for me to have an incredible day on the mountain have never been so simple. Um, and splitboarding's been amazing for that. Yeah. Uh, Certain designs can spice up your run. Oh, totally. Uh, spice Carving up your home mountain. Yeah. So it's it's wild to yeah. Just uh, snowboarding has just become so uh, just. It's a really fun space for me right now, where Sick. I'm such a cheap drunk out there, and, and like the <laughs> ease of me to yeah. get joy in the mountains is so simple these days, and it's sad when you know, I mean I, we all have friends that are like yeah, it's, maybe it's snowed and it's like it's kind of maybe it's dust on crust and I'm like oh, I can feel the bottom I'm out of here I'm like dude <laughs> I don't know man it's a pretty good day that's what I was kind of ranting about before is that like if you're UC Oxenen and you're known for doing 100 foot jumps then your sponsors or people that want to see you yeah. want, are like we could build you a 100 foot jump here Right. Whereas you made such a good decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there he is, making little surf turns. Cobra. Like, hey, we'll we'll send you somewhere exotic in the world yeah. and you turn Make a down pretty it. turn. I yeah. mean a benefit. Go, yeah. Um. Hell yeah, I'll take that because you can do that indefinitely. Right. You see how to there's a half life for hitting a hundred yeah. foot jump. Yeah, the it's I find it I listened to um a podcast with Jeremy Jones and I've gotten to be friends with JP Walker mm. and um, and they seem to have this similar um, like crazy commitment which is why they got to be so good but they're like what JP calls uh, loyal to the steel uh, which I totally commend and I'm so impressed and Hell the guy's yeah. so fit Yes, but it's like dude there is that's just diminishing returns and like like I oh, one more video part and like I like they're they um they still want to be able to go to the rail garden and like throw down and right the reality is is like your bo- your body like that gets harder and harder and hurts more and more and there's just no way around that and you're stacking PTSD from times that you've that you wrapped I... yourself around the rail it was kind of, um, it was admirable. You see why they are so good, but Hell it's yeah. also a little bit like, God, it would be cool if you could find joy in like snow skating Timberline or something. I don't know what it is. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and not to say, mind you, I've had the uh, pleasure to snowboard with JP and it's nothing but stoke. So I'm not, yes. there's zero bitterness or anything, but it's, right. there's a level of, um, it, and, and they will take it further than anyone and I think Terrier and um, Richards and stuff they have like the McTwist challenge going on cool uh, see how old they can do McTwist yes and yes. I think I've that's heard them um, talk about it yeah I mean it's incredible to, to watch um, but I on the flip side here I am I'm like I'm up at Boreal at night boarding on a snow or on a snow skate just like so amped and I'm like I this is kind of weird that I'm having this much fun on the white ribbon of death, but so be it. Grateful. <laughs> well, Craig was the one who really set the pace for it. 
he didn't take that. I, I, I don't know much about him personally, but I don't think that that decision to leave competition was precedented. Like he wasn't following in somebody's, hey, and then they retire no, totally. and they go and they do the more soulful thing. He, he was like, look, free riding is super important. It's important to the sport. It's important to competitors to not take themselves so seriously. And by all accounts, he did take himself very seriously when oh, he yeah. was competing. And with his free riding, I had an opportunity to, to spend yeah. a week with him. And it was like every day, like, we got to get up earlier. Got to get up earlier. Like, we need to be on top of the mountain when the sun comes up. And he's like, we're five minutes late. Get up earlier. And Wow. Um, and such commitment to it and there's an incredible quote of craig's and i'll butcher it but it was something along the lines of um you know i'm most intrigued with that everyday rider that's getting like pure joy out of snowboarding and and like those are the people that i'm studying uh right now that's so sick and so craig he became so zen yeah he was so young when he passed but he and and i've we've thought about it on mike before what would it be like had he you know stayed here and, and lived to not to now like what would snowboarding how how would snowboarding be different or, yeah and i think i got asked that question at a, the his 10 years after he passed away by uh, backcountry magazine and it was something i hadn't thought about and at that point jones is a year or two older um, deeper, I think, had been shot, and and I was like, "Wow, um, splitboarding would have been way further along." Yes, no question. That's true. Absolutely. Yeah, and there's just—I mean, you just don't know. You have yeah, no it was idea. like we lost our compass, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that we kind of were like that teenager, like kind of chasing squirrels and stuff, and like. Craig had such a pure compass and where he'd taken his snowboarding. I think it would have, uh, we would have been further along with splitboard technology and, um, but we won't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's definitely, um, you know, we're seeing it now, the divide between the current generation of snowboarders and the guys like us that actually had to, you know, work to get on resorts sometimes right or work for acceptance within a community of snow enthusiasts that just kind of didn't want us there whereas the kids now are just so you know they've got coaches yeah they they, they've got goals they want to be a red bull you know athlete or they want to go to the olympics or they and and they're working on tricks that i could never imagine working on but there is a little bit of a lack of that guy that Craig's talking about, a girl that Craig's talking about, that is intrigued just about snowboarding. Like, that's just hooked, because it's so much fun. Like, I'm super tapped in with the the Groms of today, just because my kids are really into snowboarding, so I get to see it firsthand, and what I call the Woodward generation. Sure. Um, I mean, the what they're doing in the air is is phenomenal um their comfort levels but you know i'm here to report that the kids are all right Uh, and they have we don't know who their like total mentors are but they're out there and they're um they're really cool. Yeah, I met Brock Crouch. I met Red Gerard. Yeah. And both those kids embody snowboarding like and as much as anyone I've ever met. Yeah. yeah. So that's where my son was talking about Brock last night. He's like, looks like a rad kid, da-da-da-da. So, like, Brock is now, like, this kid that my son, who's 13, his generation's looking up to. Rad. And then, like... Brock, I don't know Brock. I've never met him, but Dave Downing, he's he's his family is close with Dave Downing. Yeah, and Dave took him under his wing and kind of, you know, pointed him in the right direction. Like Brock will, he's gonna, I guarantee, he's gonna be like doing amazing things. He brings cool vibe and style. He's gonna be making good turn. I mean, he makes good turns. Like he'll be a great, you know, there'll be people like 
Brock, people that I don't even know their names that these 13 year olds are like, wow, that guy's rad. Um, yeah. And it's, and they embody the spirit of snowboarding. Advocating for the sport. Giving, yeah. giving, giving, yeah, giving kids the kind of, well, that's the thing. In the generation that I talk to a lot, the most, there's, there's a lot of talk about gatekeepers. You know what I mean? Like that there were a lot of gatekeepers because pre Mike Rankwit and Chris Roach, you know, there there was cook, cook style in the contests, yeah. in just in, in the magazines. I mean, what magazine was I looking at? Two issues in a row. That no gram on the on the cover. Wow. Uh, we're talking, yeah. you know, maybe ISM. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like interesting. And and so like snowboarding needed some gatekeepers. Skateboarding had a bunch. Right. And so then that that kind of came over. And then, sure, like, I don't know. You can basically be anything in snowboarding you want now. You can be a contest Yeah, and I think that's or, good. I mean, yeah. I don't, I, you know, I'm fine with all of it. If there's grumpy people on the hill vibing <laughs> kids, sure, dude, you probably needed to get yelled at. Or yeah. there's happy guys out there. I mean, I just watched this um, Connor 32 rider, like, talking to my son he'd never met him before and like helping him with a trick like Sick. so you know there's no edge there he's not vibing you know like good. there's a lot yeah. of good uh vibes out there but whatever i mean that's beauty with snowboarding there's a lot of roads to walk down right now a lot yeah. of uh, yeah. paths and uh I, I i think the variety is is welcome yeah yeah surfing got it start just that little bit further ahead and there was some harsh localism that just yeah it, it's perpetrated the whole way through till today right like you can still get by well, out by locals it, serving there the mountain we can go and not i mean yeah there's powder you could which i laugh at the you know the people vibe and people but yeah um, yeah me too what have you but surfing it's like you sit on one takeoff spot there's only x amount of waves coming through you i mean i love to surf so it's a there's just a um not in snowboarding it's like infinite amount yes. of gravity yes. when it's winter with snow on it yes and surfing there is not an infinite amount of waves yeah coming th through. that's what creates it you're right absolutely right that there the, the that preciousness of having a spot and not having someone in your way yeah and it's like you know i was just i surfed yesterday and it's um southern hemisphere swell which means it's like big lulls in between it's five wave sets everyone's waiting for those five waves guy's never seen me in the lineup um he's right. like he knows it inside he's yeah. He's going to get one of those five waves, and he deserves to get one of those five waves. Of course. And I'm in there picking up scraps. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you surf? Short Sands. Short Sands. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it makes me smile to think of, like, you know, Jerry Lopez and Craig Kelly catching waves together out on the Oregon coast Definitely. in the early 90s. And, uh, I mean, it's getting more busy with surfing obviously it's getting more busy with yeah. surfing everywhere it's getting more busy with snowboarding um but yeah the technology's there too and the you know surfing's just a lifestyle surfing the idea of surfing is what got me into snowboarding snowboarding is like landlocked persons surfing for sure especially up north yeah i mean i snowboard like i wish i could surf and um, I, I mean yeah. that's like yeah. in my soul is like a surfer at heart and what was that short film about the turn uh life of glide life of glide with the uh with that one slow-mo turn before we had yeah. slow-mo on our cell phones i totally. think i've been doing i've been <laughs> yeah. trying to do something like that ever since that just that essence of that one turn it's so good that and was a Tim was, Manning masterpiece yeah, um, yeah he filmed that stuff and, and it was with a poem a right was yeah it, it was a poem it was based off a poem I wrote that's why like it was it, yeah. it was something a little different but something that really spoke to me from you know from one snowboarder to another I was like this well is with it. that I was in my um, hometown watching higher 
in the back of outdoor at the base of KT and um, and it ends with me in the Himalaya on this in a really serious line and I um, I'm like the next film is under the chairlift yeah I'm like I gotta like bring it right back to like right here and so that film was shot under the chairlift or like right on the side of the road Sick. at Donner Mike Hatchett Sick. shot the powder stuff um, Tim shot a bunch of stuff oh, wow. it was funny to, I was up at Donner with Mike Hatchett and it's sunrise just perfect power I mean you see and there's like triple overhead sprays in that movie and um, and he's like Oh, dude, we're like, sun's coming. He's, he's kind of like rushing. I'm like, what's going on, dude? He's like, well, when, like people are going to start coming. I'm like, nobody's here, dude. Like, nobody comes to Donner to film anymore. And he's like, really? Oh. It's like, bad, dude, we used to like sleep, like be like camped out at sunrise on these airs and these spots to like beat Dogger's crew and, and Whitey and da 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 da. And I'm like, yeah, they're in a single. You're not gonna see it's a single us. crew today. It's, it's just us. us. <laughs> oh wow, that's rad to hear. Yeah, uh, Blaze was talking about it. Going to Donner. Yeah, got to go to Donner to film. Yeah, we're going to Donner. Oh, you yeah. got to go to Donner. Dude, oh. hit me up when you go there. Oh, we will for sure. Well, 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 I, you, uh, you need the historic. We need you need like the Donner tour guy. We're yes. like first McTwist, first nice. this. Nice. This is a, the um, yeah, uh, Palmer did the, like a 540 off a cliff right off the side of the road. I mean, it's all right. You can is see that most where of the Damien Steve Graham cliff is from Snowboarders in Exile. I would assume so. I can't. It's huge. It was just deny nor it confirm. Was, yeah, it was massive, <laughs> massive. Oh my God. Yeah, Donner's sick. Don, I, I, I went up there and looked. Because Donner, oh, sorry. I, what's the, what is the resort? Well, you have Sugar Bowl, Sugar you have Bowl. Donner Ski Ranch. Yeah. I went um, all the way up to Sugar Bowl. Yeah. I went to the Palisades at Sugar Bowl and was like, well, how the hell? It, like, I've been riding a family resort yeah. all day. I didn't realize if I just go to the left, yeah. there's like these gnarly Damien Sanders style. Yeah. <laughs> like epic takeoffs into like super steep landings and then just a little forest and you're back in a right. family hill. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, that's yeah, it's fun mind. up there. That's where um, get for splitboarding. I bring my kids up there because it's like short hike with like it's you'll ride these 500 vertical foot runs with like five airs in it, Unreal. and that you know opposed to like there's no approach, there's no nothing. It's right, right. These mini little runs that are just stacked with airs and shoots and unreal. Where's lips. the train? Where where was that train? The train shot, shot is down. Um, you go over I-80 and um, west, and that's a misty spot. And I don't know if anyone's jumped it since Hetzel, but... Yeah, probably not. Did you ever see the the skier that hit the train with no. apocalypse snow, whatever? Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were there with uh, with Regis Rolling, the guy. Yeah, who, he went super slow. Whoa. And he backflips it, and it's slow-mo, and it's film, and his tips just hit the thing, and he double ejects. It's, it's epic. Wow. It's one of the best shots ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, Tahoe is just so vast. Yeah, and, and you've been showcasing the Sierras, you know, in all their glory for so long. Did you see the Travis... Brian Aguchi, I forget who else went. They they uh, the float down the river. Yeah, yeah, in the Tetons. Wait, no, the one before that, they were uh, maybe you were in it. Did you do it? Did you? Well, we did the thing called uh, Roadless. Yeah, that Roadless. I was a part that of. That was yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the three of us. Oh, sick. Yeah, I'm like, and there was one other There's guy, one other old guy uh, in yeah, there. So, yeah. That just Making looked like hippie turns. it makes you want to go there. It makes you want to. Yeah. It makes you want to leave the crowded resort. Get your well. That's gear the gift there. of split boards. Is um, it? It's just. It's so, like, it, with a teeny bit of creativity, you can go and get away from people um, and getting up early, and uh, it's just such a. And there's. I call it the wonderful problem. It's like you work really hard to maybe hit this line you've looked at and waited for conditions and you stand on top of it and you finally got it in good form and you look behind it and there's like six more. And so the list gets bigger, not shorter. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Oh, I think I was flying into Salt Lake City, and I noticed like that ridge pops up real fast. There. Yeah. And then you look down it, and it's kind of cookie cutter, the same formations, yeah. like doop, doop, doop. And it looks like, I mean, unbelievable terrain. Just like, it feels like it's like five minutes out of the city. Some of that, some of the best terrain is right above the city. And then, you know, it becomes an issue of can you get it, um, you know, getting that low snow. That's what we deal with in, in Vancouver. Is yeah. that our local mountains are pretty, pretty low. And then Whistler Black Oam is world class and Baker's yeah. world class. So, yeah. Oh, you're I, in a good place. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not hurting for places to go. I'm embarrassed to say I don't split board. I mean, the listeners of the show know I'm. You don't need to be embarrassed. Yeah. I, I feel uh, it, it, it's. Um, I know plenty of people that are allergic to walking uphill. <laughs> That's, That's all right. Thanks, man. <laughs> Absolutely, but Fozzie and Shane from Tribute have invited me for a cabin run. Nice. Uh, and I got to do that. Yeah. Like, I mean, who better to go yeah. to Nelson with than those two? Oh, and, yeah. I miss yeah. I miss Fawcett. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, you probably got to get going. I think we did about an hour there. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, this has been... That's perfect, dude. So much fun with Jeremy Jones here. Beautiful Mount Hood, Timberline, Timberline Lodge. Thanks for doing the show and thanks for thanks for everything you've done over the years for snowboarding because I know you've worked really hard at it. It, it shows. Well, uh, right back at you. Um, I love your love and passion for it and thanks, man. and appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, stoked. Right on. Sick, homie. Cheers. That's perfect. Thanks, Jeremy. No worries. Eppin' Mad shout-outs this week to Jeremy Jones for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks to his family for letting us borrow him for an hour or so. Special thanks to Jones Snowboards, Protect Our Winters, Teton Gravity Research, and Yeti. Be sure to come back next week for an interview with another amazing snowboarder on Eppin' Rad Snowboarding, presented by Vans and brought to you by SIA Productions.